0: Welcome to episode 151. I'm Stuart McCullough. I'm the CEO of VHAA. It's time for this week's weekly update. Joining me for this week's weekly update is the manager of workplace relations services and aspiring slam poet Tim Nagel. Welcome, Tim. Good to be here, Stuart. Tim, it feels like it's a while since we've done this.
1: It has been a while, I think. Would
0: you be good enough to reveal the clue for today's discussion? And for the benefit of those people who are listening to this podcast rather
1: than watching, could you describe the objects? So we've got two things. We've got an old iron and a picture of uh, two Spider-Men
0: pointing at each other. So I'm reliably informed that this is a well-known internet meme, uh, which is taken from a Spider-Man cartoon in 1967, and a, an episode called Double Identity, uh, for reasons that are probably overwhelmingly apparent. And in the episode, uh, apparently one of the villains attempts to impersonate uh, Spider-Man. Uh, so based on that clue, as well as the iron, what would you say that the subject for today's
1: discussion is? Well, it's clearly uh, uniform and laundry allowances.
0: I I can see how you got there, but you're completely wrong. Uh, Tim, in terms of uh, the iron, today what we hope to do is is iron out some misunderstandings with regards to a particular set of government policies that apply to IR. And in terms of the focus that we're going to have on those IR policies, um, you can see that there are two Spider-Men, and and plainly that is one Spider-Man too many, uh, one of whom I, I suspect will have to be made redundant. Uh, So today we're going to be talking about the 2015 public sector industrial relations policies that apply to public health services uh, particularly as they relate to redundancy and their interaction with enterprise agreements Uh, but for those who are unfamiliar with the policies could you provide some context?
1: So the IR policy 2015 was introduced by the Victorian government and outlines the government's policy on various public sector industrial relations matters which include the following. So various standards Uh, Requirements and guidelines to foster a productive industrial relations culture. And finally, um, the achievement of high performance, effective and constructive workplace partnerships.
0: So, fun fact, Tim, Uh, the 2015 uh, IR public sector policies were released, of course, in 2016. (laughs) But uh, whilst those things are relevant to members, today we're going to focus on the interaction of the policy uh, with enterprise agreements, particularly as it pertains to redundancy. So let's start at the start. How uh, how do the IR policies apply
1: to VHA members? Yeah, so at page three it states that the policies apply to all departments and public sector bodies of the state of Victoria and their non-executive level employees. As defined under the Public Administration Act two thousand and four in Victoria. It specif- specifically states for the avoidance of doubt the policies apply to all public health services, schools, and standalone TAFE institutions.
0: Now that's very unambiguous and clear. But just in case you needed something more, there's a further <laughs> reference to hospitals?
1: There is indeed. At page twelve, it states that the provision in the document apply to the redundancy termination process in Victorian public sector agencies.
0: Okay. Uh, so Let's, uh, let's address community health.
1: So they're not expressly included uh, but there are two things for community health to be mindful of. So the first one is whether the relevant enterprise agreement expressly relies on the policy.
0: And an example of that would be the Nurses Agreement which expressly relies on those IR policies.
1: Correct. Uh, If you are going through a redundancy process, it is useful for community health centres uh, to be aware of the IR policies because employee representatives such as unions are likely to be influenced by those IR policies.
0: Within the coverage of those policies, are there categories or
1: groups who are excluded? Uh, So there are some exclusions and those are as follows. Uh, Firstly, uh, executives and secondly, casual and temporary employees and fixed-term contract employees.
0: So from memory uh, the IR policy of 2015 still states that specific, uh, that specific consideration may be given to individual cases uh, involving fixed term or casual, uh, long term casual employees or employees who've been engaged on successive fixed term contracts. Correct. Uh, and what's the connection between the IR policies and enterprise agreements?
1: Yeah so most agreements now contain terms about redundancy and outline employee's obligation and employees' entitlements upon termination of employment as a result of redundancy. So it's a topic dealt with by the Enterprise Agreements often. Can you give us an example? Yeah, sure. So Clause 12.7 of the Nurses and Midwives Agreement um, outlines the following. The Victorian Government's policy with respect to public sector redundancy and the entitlements upon termination of employment as a result of of redundancy set out in the Public Sector Workplace Relations Policies 2015. The policy, as at the time this agreement comes to operation, applies to employees but not does not form part of the agreement.
0: So that is quite a common provision, I wouldn't say it, apply, it appears in every single uh, agreement but it implies, uh, it does appear in many. Uh, could you explain the expression that says the policy is applicable to employees upon the operation of the agreement but does not form part of the agreement? Uh, What does that mean?
1: Yeah, sure. So it applies in its own right, uh, rather than as a term of the agreement. Also uh, the policy isn't frozen in time, so if it changes, the obligation changes.
0: So if the IR policy from 2015 is varied or replaced, uh, then uh, the amended document will apply? Correct. Uh, And do all public sector agreements contain the same provision uh, regarding redundancy terms in the same way that the nurses does?
1: No, not quite. There are some subtle differences in the different agreements, but the public sector agreements we manage all contain a provision referring to redundancy entitlements within the government's IR policy.
0: So in that table that's currently on screen I can see that the Victorian Public Health Sector Maintenance Multi-Employer Agreement uh, contains a differently worded clause regarding redundancy. All of the other agreements refer to the 2015 policy, but the maintenance agreement refers explicitly to the 2012 policy.
1: Yeah, so we'll discuss the differences and similarities between the IR policy 2012 and the 2015 policy uh, a little later. However, uh, we note the language in clause 21 uh, of the maintenance agreement regarding redundancy entitlements. Although Clause 21 outlines um, or refers to the IR policy 2012, when it comes to public sector redundancy, it also states as varied from time to time, so it just needs an update of that language.
0: It really takes us back then to the 2015 set of policies, and yes, I think uh, updating the language will be on our list of things to do. Leaving the policies to one side for a moment, just to refresh people's memories, uh, the issue of
1: incorporating documents that may change Uh, Can that occur? So it can. Section 257 of the Fair Work Act 2009 outlines that enterprise agreements may incorporate material in force at a particular time or from time to time.
0: So heading back to the IR policy of 2015, what does it say about the end of employment uh, and redundancy?
1: So broadly it outlines uh, two types of separation packages, namely um, a voluntary departure package or a VDP or secondly a Targeted Separation Package or a TSP.
0: So the obvious question there is what is the difference between a VDP and a TSP?
1: So the VDP would be offered in circumstances where larger scale structural change or employee reductions are required.
0: And um, I'm struck by the the term voluntary, in that context are there post-employment restrictions that apply?
1: So there are, there's a three-year restriction on re-employment within the Victorian public sector um, so, recipients of a VDP are required to agree not to seek or accept reemployment with the, with or fee for service from a public sector employer, including public sector public sector employment through a labour hire agency, for a minimum of three calendar years from the date of their separation.
0: Are there any exceptions to that requirement?
1: There are extraordinary circumstances would be an exception. So, an agency head may approve earlier reemployment, but there must. Be no undertaking to this effect prior to an employee, an employee's departure as a VDP recipient.
0: And I understand that employers need to seek approval uh, from the ATO uh, before conducting a VDP program.
1: Yeah, that's right.
0: So how is a VDP uh, offered and considered by employees?
1: Uh, so employees are not compelled to accept offers uh, and may withdraw an expression of interest at any time prior to accepting an offer, uh, hence voluntary and involuntary departure package title. Also, employees are not bound to accept any employee's expression of interest in a VDP or to offer any particular employee a VDP.
0: So tell me about targeted separation packages.
1: A TSP is a compulsory retention package and action of last resort. So departments and agencies must exhaust redeployment opportunities before applying a TSP.
0: So I think that's an important point to emphasise that redeployment must be exhausted before you begin to look at a TSP.
1: Yeah that's correct. So TSPs are not voluntary and there is no requirement for prior approval from the ATO as long as it can be established that the separation was a bona fide redundancy.
0: And in what circumstances will a redundancy be a bona fide redundancy?
1: So TSPs are applied in circumstances where the work is not required to be performed by the employer or be performed by anyone and where there is no opportunity for continued employment of the employee.
0: Uh, Bearing in mind that employers would have to adhere to the requirements of a relevant enterprise agreement in in terms of matters like consultation, support and potential redeployment before arriving at that destination of of redundancy.
1: Oh definitely. And those obligations are further supported in the enterprise agreements themselves. So further decisions on which particular roles are declared excess or surplus must be made on objective non-discriminatory criteria that are consistently applied.
0: Uh, And so how are VDPs and TSP's calculated?
1: So a VDP is comprised of the following three elements. Uh, Firstly, four weeks pay irrespective of the employee's length of service. A lump sum voluntary departure incentive of up to $10,000 for a full-time employee. And finally, two weeks pay per each completed year of continuous service up to a maximum of 15 years. That's the VDP. A TSP is comprised of the following elements, one four weeks of pay irrespective of the employee's length of service, one additional weeks pay if the employee is over 45 years of age and has completed at least two years of continuous service, and finally two weeks pay per each completed year of continual service up to a maximum of 10 years. So let's discuss
0: the first element of each of those, which is that reference to four weeks of pay and in in the case of a VDP it's described as four weeks of pay irrespective of the employee's length of service. Uh, It sounds like it should be notice, but it doesn't describe itself as notice. How does that four week payment, um, both in the context of a VDP and a TSP, how does it interact with the giving of notice?
1: So it doesn't. The IR policy of 2015 states that departments and agencies must provide notice of termination or payment in lieu of notice in addition to the relevant package. That is, giving notice or payment in lieu is in addition to this four-week payment and other elements of a departure package.
0: Was it always that way?
1: The previous version of the policy in, 2000, in 2012 sorry, described this four-week payment as notice. But in spite of this, the 2012 policy said for a VDP it was payable regardless of the notice actually given.
0: So under the previous policy in 2012, an employee would likely have received both uh, a payment that was expressed to be in lieu of notice as well as notice?
1: Correct. For a TSP, it stated the four-week payment was payable on cessation of employment.
0: Which again suggests that you're likely to receive it irrespective of receiving the actual notice.
1: That's correct. Uh, not as clear as the current policy, but probably to the same effect.
0: Uh, so the key message uh, there, in terms of calculations, is not to mistake the four-week payment with notice—that uh, it's paid in addition to notice or payment in lieu of notice. Correct. Uh, Tim, thank you for taking us through the two thousand and fifteen IR policies with that focus on redundancy. My pleasure. i